Well, Jesus gave lots of advice, and when he was here, he spoke a lot about things. He did things. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. And we're going to kind of bounce back between chapter 20 and, verse, uh, and chapter 19 this evening. I'm glad you're here. If you're new with us, we want to say welcome to you. We want to say glad you're here. Visit us on Sunday and keep coming back to see us. But uh, the, the particular kind of advice that Jesus was giving here um, in Matthew chapter 20 was business advice. How many of you own a business or have owned a business in the past? You raise your hand and participate. Yeah, there you go. And so what I'm about to tell you tonight, I'm just going to disclaim it. This is not business advice. If you take it and you run your business like this, it's going to be bad. Agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So this is a pretty common day. You had a guy who owned a vineyard. He grew grapes for a living. He goes out to the city square. That's where workers gathered. That was the un unemployment office. And he looked for people who wanted to work. And so at 6 a.m. in the morning, because that's when the Jewish day began, because that's uh, roughly when the sun rises, give or take an hour, the day started. And so he said, he sat down with him, he said, I'll take you, take you, and take you, and I'll pay you a full day's wage. That's what a denarius means in this context. I'll pay you for a full day. They agreed to it, they made a contract, that was the agreement. It was probably a verbal agreement, but nonetheless it was binding. It was right there at the village square, village elders, if someone needed a witness, it would have been there. The next thing he does, so those guys start working, he comes back the, th the uh, third hour, and that's 9 o'clock, and then he comes back again, the Bible says, at the um, ninth hour, ninth hour, that's not right, the sixth hour, and that was 12 p.m. by our time standards. And he did something a little bit differently, and so let's look at that passage. He said to this, he, he went about the third hour, and he saw others standing in the marketplace, and he said to them, you go also into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Now listen, this is a lot different than saying, I'll pay you a full day's wage. Okay, which was a set amount. This is a lot different. He said, I'll just do what's right. Hey, jobs were scarce that time. They'd take what they could get, and they kind of thought, well, okay. Hope this guy's honest, or I'm working for free, Right? But he said, I'll do what is right. And so probably, if it, you know, if he'd hired me, what I've been thinking, I was thinking, okay, I've already missed three hours. He's going to give me three quarters pay because it was a 12-hour work day. And, and so on. You can do the math. Well, he did that at 12 o'clock, and then he did that again a little later. But in verse number 7, or number 6, he says this. He says, in about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. Now, the 11th hour, that's not 11 p.m., that is 5 p.m., okay? That's the close of the work day, but it's got one hour left. He went out, and he found others standing around idle, and he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? So, they said this, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. pretty fair i mean hey a little bit of money goes a little ways seemed pretty fair but what happened here and the here's where the labor dispute 
comes into play. And mind you, it was a labor dispute. So in verse 8, So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, that was basically his foreman, he called the laborers and he gave them their wages, beginning, note this, with the last to the first. And when those who came were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a full day's wage. That's a pretty generous owner. I'd be praising the Lord. I work for one hour out of twelve, and that guy gives me a full day's wage. I'd say, hallelujah, just let me know when you need me. I'll be available at 5 p.m. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. So you get what's going on today. These guys at the back of the line have figured out that there's a bonus. So they have figured out that he pays, this guy worked one hour full day, and these other guys who've worked three quarters and a half and uh, a quarter of a day, he's paying them a full day. There's got to be a bonus for us at the end of the day. Well, that's what happened. Let's read. And when they had received it, the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius or a full day's wage. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. Right? Because this is unfair. Saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal with us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Well, they kind of had a case. I mean, how many of you want to get a picket line and go on with these guys? Kind of had a case. I mean, hey, this would hold up in our courts today, probably. But he answered one of them, and the owner said, he said, Friend, I'm not doing you anything wrong. And we're going to stop right there. We're going to come back to the remainder of the, of the story. But what we have here is a lesson about the justice of God, the unfairness, unfair treatment of others compared to others. <laughs> that don't make any sense, but you kind of follow what I'm saying. And also the generosity of God towards those in the 11th hour. But before you go and turn your business upside down and start telling everybody to come in at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m., and creating a five-hour rush to work, Five o'clock rush to work. Before you start doing that, I think we need to understand what Jesus really wants us to understand here. And he's not wanting you to apply this to your business necessarily. He has something else. And the first truth that I'd like to glean out of this small text here is this. We are tempted to get into a contract relationship with God. We want a contract. And if you look back in verse 19... And look at chapter 19, you will find there was two individuals that had just spoken to Jesus about getting into a contract with him. And the first one, uh, Will preached on him three or four months ago, and it was what the person we call the rich young ruler. And so what did the rich young ruler have to say? Well, if we look at the rich young ruler in this context, he is, um, let me find that little spot here. My Bible, I'm having trouble tonight. What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Finding my spot here. And Jesus says to him, in short, in verse 20, 
He says, keep the commandments of God. Then we look down a little further. The young man said to him, all these things have I kept for my youth. What else do I lack? What else do I need to do, Jesus? And Jesus said this in verse 21. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great, great, possessions and so this first young man what he wanted was a deal with god he says god i'll do the ten commandments and and jesus said okay that's hey, jesus liked the guy but then see he wanted a contract and jesus said well buddy you got a problem with your heart you're kind of in love with that money more than you're in love with me and he says what you need to do is give all that away well now he didn't bite on that contract did he we know that the Bible says he turned away from that contract. But there's actually another person in the context of the story in chapter 19 that does the same thing. His name is Peter. And so when we look at that, Peter wanted to negotiate a contract with, with Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 and 30. And I'm going to paraphrase here to save a little bit of time, and I believe the message notes is behind the, 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 the notes are behind you. But Jesus says this. Peter says, look, Lord, we have give up everything to follow you. What, what, do you, what are you going to do for us? I'll just leave all of that. Sherry, don't worry about that. They'll just sum all of that up. We've given up everything to follow you. What's in it for us? We well, say, man, that's kind of a... Peter shouldn't have asked that question. Well, let me tell you. You serve in the heat of the day for the Lord, and you serve the Lord for a long time, you'll eventually get around to that question. You will. Because that's the temptation. We want to get into a contract. and we, Peter was kind of self-serving here, but it, we all get around to Peter's question at one point or another in our life. Now, it may take something to spark that and bring that into visibility, Let's say, for example, there's some financial difficulties that you're going through. You've served God for a long time, but you're going through financial trouble. Or maybe you lost a job. And you start looking at over here at brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, and man, just everything's so great for them. And, 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 you know, and you just kind of say, God, why did this happen to me? Because it didn't happen to so-and-so. Or maybe it's something like this. Maybe, maybe it's a, a health issue. You know, when we're young, we have all this health, and we've got all this energy, and we can do all these things. And, but as we age, we can do less in certain ways as far as, as, as just sometimes our vibrancy. And so sometimes what we have a tendency to do is we look at this other person, and we say, boy, I really wanted to do that, and, but that's not happening for me. My ministry for God doesn't look that great. And this person over here, man, they're so vibrant. Everything's going for them. They look so happy in the Lord. And why ain't I, God? Well, this other one, sometimes um, we look at this and we get this attitude of Peter because it's the what's in it for me attitude. And we say, Lord, I've served you in church. I've served you in church even when people treated me bad. I stuck in there, Lord. I hung out when others would hang up. I put my dues in. But those other Christians over there seem like they're thriving. Seems like they're just doing better. And, 
There's just something that doesn't set with me right about that, Lord. You see the contract mentality? Now, Jesus deals with Peter's question very gracefully and with a lot of gentleness. Here's what he said to Peter. To Peter's question, well, what's in it for us, Lord? Well, he could have made Peter feel guilty, couldn't he? I mean, hey, listen, let's compare this to the eternal life. Peter, you're worried about getting this, this, and this? And I'm giving you eternal life? He didn't do that to Peter, though. That's not what he did. Let's look what he did at the end of the book of Matthew, chapter 19. Peter, Jesus said to him in verse 28, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, who have followed me, will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And notice verse 29, it can apply to us. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. That's a pretty good deal. So Peter here, he had this fishing company. And he said, Lord, I've given it up. You know, dad, dad's fishing business is a pretty good business. I'm going to get that. And Jesus said, Peter, I know you love that boat. And I know you love that career. But you gave it up for me. And what I'm going to do? is going to reward you in a way that you can't imagine. A hundredfold. You see, God is never going to be in debt to you in this context. And then Jesus makes this statement, and I want to, this is really what, this is a weird statement, but I want, want to explain it tonight. Jesus made the statement, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Now that's a weird saying. It's so important that Jesus also rephrases it again at the end of his story in Matthew chapter 20 verse 16. And he says this, So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now it doesn't make a lot of sense because we think about that standing in the supermarket line. And so a few of us guys may be courteous enough, Oh, you go on ahead. But when there's ten people back there, you're not so giving, are you? So this, this, this first shall be last. This stuff doesn't work here. It doesn't work, in the super, doesn't work at a restaurant. Go to a new restaurant that's open. How many of you are saying, oh, you're all right on ahead? <laughs> no, it don't work in the airport. It don't work in a lot of places. It don't work in sports that way. It doesn't work in, in academics and education. It doesn't work like that way in government. It certainly don't work that way in business. And it don't work that way in most vineyards, I know. Because here's the deal. The first are first and the last are last. And that's how the world thinks. And there's a certain amount of right in that. But here Jesus, he wants to contrast with people who want to get into a contract relationship with him. He says, you want to earn salvation. You want to earn your rewards in heaven. Well, let me tell you a story. And as he goes down through here, he begins explaining to them 
that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And what he's telling you that in the kingdom of heaven, the order of things are turned upside down and they're reversed. And this is what he means. God is not dealing with you on the basis of your merit or what you can do. But God will deal with you based on his goodness. And there's a big difference here. If you don't pick that truth up, you need to get it. God does not reward you based on what you can do or what your merit is, but God rewards you based on His goodness. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us more than we deserve. He's always fair, but He's far better than fair. He is always good, and He is always generous. And so look at the story. It shows us to be allowed to work in the vineyard is God showing you His goodness. First of all, service in itself is an undeserved reward. It was one of the first rewards and gifts that God Almighty gave to Adam and Eve in the garden when he told Adam, take care of the garden. It was service. God gave that gift. And those men, though, that Jesus is talking about, that he's showering with God's goodness, they aren't the idle rich. They're the idle poor. They're the unemployed. They're the people who's looking for work. And so Jesus is drawing a picture of us. He says, Those of you, when you see your spiritual condition and how wretched you are, you're like the unemployed. But God comes to you in that hard time of your life and He offers you spiritually, He offers you some work in His kingdom. And when He does that, my friend, He does more than you can ever imagine. I don't know how many of you have ever lost a job. Or ever been looking for a job, but I take at some point you've all looked. Now, some of you, your dad may have employed you from the time you were born. You say, I don't ever know what it means to be without work. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Until you've learned what it is to not have a job, you don't know what it is to have a job. But I'll tell you a, a, a quick story. My wife's looking at me, she's saying, you're almost out of time, but she don't know I'm almost towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> My first job out of Hillsdale College, my bachelor's in theology and my associates in, in business, what that was worth, um, was worth a lot to me. When I stepped out of college, I was a little bivocational pastor. They didn't pay, pay but, but my gas. Okay, I commuted between Oklahoma City and this part of the country, this part of the state. And um, so I needed a job. I didn't know how to look for a job. So I, I mean, my mom said, go to the unemployment agency. Okay. So I went there. That's not a great place to find a job. <laughs> so I went to state capitol. <laughs> and I applied for every job <laughs> that said that had a bachelor's degree or higher. I applied for every one. Every one. I mean, I, over, I spent eight hours there applying for just jobs that I thought I could qualify. I took all kinds of tests. It, I got a, over for a year, I still got phone calls on that deal. <laughs> but I needed a job then, and so what I did, oh, this is deplor. now, I became a telemarketer. <laughs> yeah, I needed a job, I was desperate. And it wasn't just for anybody, it was for AT&T. This is the late 90s. You remember all those phone calls you'd get? People waking you up at your dinner table? And you'd get so mad that you'd, you'd probably cuss, but you wouldn't tell me that and admit that here. But I know some of you have broke your phone <laughs> on that poor college kid on the other end of the line. 
He's just trying to make a living, man. That's it. He don't want to hear you yell at him no more than, than I mean, he don't even want to call your house. But listen, they're listening in on the other line, and if you ain't doing your job, they come out there and tell you you're not. And if you don't do it, they ask you to leave. Well, you can imagine how well that went. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you what, I was there for two months and I was miserable. I'd been cussed. I'd been, I'd been called all kinds of things. And I was calling the businesses. I wouldn't even call them the personal residential places. <laughs> Get a business owner mad at you, man. You waste his time. Mm. He thinks you're somebody he's not, you're not. <laughs> you're in big trouble. <laughs> and you can't hang up or they'll get you, write you up. <laughs> well, I'll bring a, a long story to a very short close. I worked there for eight months. And because uh, the, the supervisor told me, she said, if you'll stick around for a couple of weeks, it will get easier. Because you just get this hard skin, tough skin. And at eight months, I was 10 a.m. in the morning. I just sat there and I just stood up. I walked over to the supervisor and I said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I was one of their top sellers. I can't do this. It's too hard for me. It just wasn't my personality. And if that's where you're at right now in your life, hey, listen, God's got something good for you in the future. Stick to it. I did learn a few things there. I can't go into those, but um, I walked out. I quit. And I, I told the supervisor, I sure hope that you'd give me a good reference. And I was like, how kind of reference can you get when you quit? But I asked for one. She looked at me and she said, you know what? I can't believe you stayed here this long. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she thought I was after her job because she was supervising didn't have to make the phone calls. <laughs> she was relieved when I left. <laughs> I went home, my little apartment that wasn't but a half a mile from there. I rode my bike and I cried. And I don't cry very often. I can count on my one hand how many times I've cried in my adult life. I called my dad up, who was about six months from dying. I didn't know it then. And I said, Dad, I quit my job. So I know what it's like to be unemployed. But Jesus wants you to understand what it means to be unemployed spiritually. And he's writing this message for you. And so when you get out of bed in the morning and you have meaningful work to do, instead of resenting that alarm, you need to breathe a prayer of thanks that you have a job to go to because it's terrifying when society can't provide employment for someone who wants to work. And a lot of people will, will never crack under a lot of hard work, but you give people meaningless activity and that they will go crazy. But Jesus comes to the idle, he comes to the unemployed, he comes to the lost who have time on their hands and he offers you meaningful work. And in short, what I'm trying to say to you is that he is delivering you from eternal significance. He's given you work in his kingdom that, that has eternal uh, uh, consequences and has eternal rewards. And he's giving that to you. And that, my friend, is meaningful to have significance in your life. But the parable assures us that our master is more than just just here. He's, he's always that, but he's more than that. He's always generous, and he's always good. Now let's get to the labor dispute real quickly. 
and listen to the interaction between the owner of the vineyard and the disgruntled workers in Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. They protest that the master is unfair. And basically what they're saying is, we have worked for 12 hours, we're hot, we're tired, and you rewarded these guys who worked only for one hour the same amount that we got. That's not fair. The owner looks at him, he defends himself, he says, look, I wasn't unjust to you. You received every penny that I told you I'd pay you. Every penny. And furthermore, do you think I am evil? Do you really think that you can tell me what to do with my own possessions? I'm paraphrasing what he said. But he just said, listen, you tell me what I'm going to do with my money that I have. You're in the wrong. And he says to him, basically, I'm free to give to others as I gave to you. And so the owner may have gave unequal treatment, but it was not unjust treatment. It was unfair and unequal in certain ways from our viewpoint, but he never wronged anybody. He paid him exactly what. And in fact, what Jesus wants us to get here is that the owner was acting out of the goodness of his heart towards the 11th hour workers. That's who he was trying to, to, to talk about. And so when you serve uh, Jesus Christ, you don't work for a wage. You don't work under a contract. You work under grace. And in His service, you are not rewarded because of what you can do, but you're rewarded on what God wants to do for you and how good and generous He wants to be to you. That's the point of this passage. You're not rewarded on the quality of your work or the quantity of your work, even spiritually speaking. It is out of the generosity of God that we have anything. And it's not anything that we do. And to, and to be saved, that's all God's grace. To work for God is God's grace. And so Peter was inclined to go back to this wage system. He thought he wanted a contract, but the focus of the story is not on how to earn a salary, but it's on the generous reward of God to you. And we, but quit looking at others and comparing yourself and asking that question, God, why, why, hey, God loves us all. I'll close with a, a simple story. Years ago, um, there was a son. He came early home one Saturday afternoon from playing with his friends. And, and uh, the, the mom in the house was trying to get everything ready for some people coming over that evening. And so she's frantically going around cleaning the house. And, and this little boy walked in there and, and uh, he got the vacuum cleaner out. He started vacuuming. He vacuumed the whole house. Now, normally, he'd get 50 cents for a job like that. And uh, when the father asked his son, he said, he said, son, how much do I owe you? He looked at his dad and he said, dad, I just wanted to help. I'll tell you what that father did. He pulled out his wallet, gave him $2. His son looked at his dad and said, dad. I like being in this family. You gave me more than I would have asked for and more than the job was worth. See, it's a perspective thing. Quit looking at what other people got, what other people are doing. Praise God for what you have. And how satisfying it is to have children 
who love you, they pitch in, and they take your generosity for granted. That's the kind of children God wants. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave us all these wonderful stories. And um, some of them we have to think about and go through so we don't misapply them and ruin our business. But your kingdom is so much different. Thank you for letting us have a little bit of window into what is the basis of your goodness and how you reward us. Thank you, God, for being good. Amen.